0: And then on April 12th, 1846, we have the first celebration of the Eucharist. This is Easter Sunday in the Penardi Shed, which will soon become Valdoco. Welcome back, everybody, to Valdoco. I'm Father Steve.
1: I'm Vicky. And I'm Amy from home.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, we got Amy on Zoom. Amy on Zoomlandia. And um yeah, busy. Vicky and Amy are very busy planning the Cym meetings and doing airport runs and all that jazz. So they are uh, in between. Amy's at home, but she we wanted her here, and so we're doing it on Zoom, right, Vicky?
1: Yes, that's true. All oh, of
0: that is true. How are you guys doing? Doing great.
1: Amy, I'm amazing. I how did a pickup in Newark. I did a pickup in LaGuardia to the Shrine. Amy, what did home, you pick here
2: up? who? What did you pick up in New York? <laughs>
1: I did sort of pick up Father Sean and Brianna. False. uh, Tell the truth. No, no, no. I did because I dropped them off 10 minutes away. Okay. So that they could go to the the city. And then I brought their suitcases with me.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Amy is transporting luggage now. Uh, That's uh, one of the services the Office of Youth Ministry is providing. Um, Please let us know um, and fund our scholarship. Thanks
0: so much. No, gosh, but we do what we can to get everybody together. You no, know? so thanks for what you're doing. Thanks for helping out. Thanks for planning. Really, Amy. It's all Amy. It's literally that was it was all Amy. Just but showing up.
1: If it crashes and burn, it was really, It was a team effort. If, it, if we
2: crash and burn, <laughs> it's Vicky's fault.
0: <laughs> but this episode will come out on Wednesday, and that's when a lot of the CYMs, not all of our CYMs, but a, a lot of them from our from our province, will be gathering. And that's a day of retreat where they'll be praying. And then Thursday and Friday's kind of workshop meetings, all that kind of stuff, no? Mm-hmm.
2: True. Also true. My also
0: true. also true. All true Tell the truth out here. Love telling the truth. And uh, yeah, so pray for pray for our province. Pray for our province. Pray for our CYMs. We know how hard it is to be a CYM and all the organization. And just it's very easy to be frustrated or burn out or whatever. So hopefully these moments of gathering together and prayer can be a little bit of rejuvenation, a renewal, some talking about some stuff. Also there's two brand new is it only two? Two brand new CYMs, one mm-hmm. from Toronto, Brianna, and one from Bosco, Crystal Ray, Crystal Ray in, Maryland. in in Maryland, yeah. Um Tom Bodart. Tom, yeah. So, yeah, good. So we have new people trying to learn, um learn this Legion spirit. So, yeah, please pray. Those who are listening, please pray. Say a little prayer and say a little prayer for Legion family. There's a bunch of people out there who are struggling with different things. Not that we need to talk about it online, but um Obviously, all over the world, people are struggling with many different things. Prayer is powerful. So, anything else you want to say? Amy's looking at me like, "Bro, this guy never banter[s] and now he wants to banter." I, <laughs>
1: I feel like you just covered the full spectrum. Like, I like, just really did, about like really did, like really well. The struggles in the world. Like, what can I add?
0: <laughs> There's a lot out there.
1: There is a lot out there.
2: Yeah. So you know, lean on each other. Yeah and uh keep us in prayer we're gonna have fun we love getting together with our cym's they really are you think they're fun at home they're more fun with us (laughs) so uh we're looking forward to the time spent together and amy's done a really good job um organizing everything we're excited to have our our presenters and our retreat day and um just to talk and share and and for us to learn um how to uh, support our local ministries better um and to learn more about um what the reality is like at home um, and just how we can, yeah, continue to support each other as families. So definitely looking forward to it. So thanks Father Steve.
0: Welcome. Thanks for what you're doing.
2: Anytime buddy.
0: So we're going to keep going here. Life of Don Bosco. This Where are be... we?
2: Where are we in the life of Don Bosco?
0: We're going to start at 1844. <laughs> Big Go. year. What happens at
2: 1844? 1844 is the
0: start. Start of what?
2: Don Bosco's oratory. The wandering oratory. Mm right did i just say that wrong i was so nervous <laughs> no 1844
0: is when so he's oh, leaving the gosh. he's leaving the Same convito phrase, yeah. he's leaving the pastoral institute so he's his first the first 3 years of priesthood he was ordained in 1841 he had a really beautiful experience at the what's called the convito pastoral institute where he's learning how to be a priest that's last episode go back and listen if you want um but now we're entering a place where he has to leave Um, and he needs to find work, and he's got a whole bunch of options. Stambasco is a talented guy. He's got a lot of gifts. A lot of people would love to have him as a teacher or a preacher, as a priest, whatever, so he has a lot, but he doesn't know what to do. Father Cafaso is there to kind of help him along his way, and eventually Father Cafaso tells him to go with another priest, um, Father Borrell, and they go together to this place called the Refugio, the Refuge. Um, It was run by a Marquesa, so a, a really wealthy woman uh, of Turin who ran this place for girls at risk, basically. So it was a big home a school for girls who were abandoned or who were on their own or who needed help. Um, and so Don Bosco was meant to be the chaplain there. And Don Burrell was also, uh, Father Burrell was there also as the chaplain. They're working together. And that's the first beautiful thing and such wisdom from Father Cafaso. And really what we, we try to do, but it's not always easy, that Don Bosco wasn't sent on his own. He's always been accompanied so it wasn't you know okay time for work go to the refuge go to the refuge and work and I was go with Don Burrell and you will learn and you will go and in some of the writings uh, it talks about how kind of confused and nervous Don Bosco was in turn to go when he was starting the oratory. He didn't he didn't really know that many people. He was a little bit shy to go and ask for money. He was a little bit shy to go and do things. And Don Burrell was the one who introduced him because Don Barel was really well-known in the area. He's been around. He has a lot of connections. And so Don, Don Burrell kind of encouraged and helped him and told him, okay, go visit this family. This is what you can say. Um, so really helped Don Bosco in the beginnings. Uh, again, just a recognition that Don Bosco was not Superman from the moment he was born until the end he learned so much from so many people and uh so really good so we'll talk a little bit about father brell a little later um, but just this idea okay 1844 he leaves this convito he leaves the pastoral Institute he goes to this place to be the chaplain um but he really knows because this was the dream that you were talking about before he does have another dream 1844 kind of the similar thing um of just seeing fields of animals a lot of chaos or whatever mary comes into the dream and kind of takes them step by steps and recognizing that little by little he's kind of shown that all the wild animals are turned into lambs or turned into uh, people that are kind of uh, whatever meek and quiet and and uh, i guess you'd say tame but um just seeing damasco could really recognize that his work of the oratory of taking in the abandoned poor kids, giving them an education, giving them a friend was turning hearts and, and allowing them to, to live a good life. And so in the dream, he starts to see this and then eventually he sees a place with the church. And so, OK, he doesn't fully understand, but he's starting to really get glimpses and really get gain a lot of strength that this is where he's called to go um, and uh, to work in this oratory, you know, to take care of the kids and little by little. Those animals, they become shepherds. So we're starting to see. Obviously, us who know the story can see that this is the oratory. No, but at that moment, Don Bosco, okay, still confused. He's still discerning. Like we said before, uh, he was close to leaving to go a missionary order. He didn't know what kind of work he wanted to do. He was not really happy with what Don Cafaso said. He said, it's kind of a waste of time. Like he wants to work for the boys. And here he has me going to work for the girls and to, to work with the Marquesa. So Don Bosco, a little bit frustrated, but very obedient, goes with Don Burrell. And eventually, they're able to use a little bit of the space uh, of the room in, um, in there. So he's still gathering the kids when he was there. Um, and it was beautiful to see that in 1844 now, he's beginning to create his own oratory. Um, so before, when he was at the Convito, they used to gather in the sacristy. But that was really just a continuation of what Don Cafasa was doing. Um, so Father Cafaso was already giving catechesis and helping the poor kids and everything. So Don Bosco was just kind of assigned to do that as a young priest. We have Don Bosco going on his own and then now starting to to take responsibility and make decisions and to kind of try to find spaces for the young people to gather. And so we see him starting to to yeah, create his own oratory and put his own neck out there on his own for these for these poor abandoned kids. Um, so from 1844 October, he goes to the he goes to the refuge, um, to the Marchese of Barolo. and I say that on the 8th of December, a good old Marian date as always, the Immaculate Conception, December 8th, 1844. Um, this is when the the little chapel is blessed. Uh, they have Saint Francis de Sales, right? This is the kind of the beginnings of what we would call the Oratory. So he's given his own space. Uh, he still has to work for the girls. He still has to do a lot of other things. Um, but on the, on Sundays, on feast days, and, and different times, he's gathering these young people in this small chapel of uh, this kind of a little hospital, little home for girls. And he's there for a couple months, from December till May, May 18th. And then, okay, he sees the kids are getting a lot more in number, and it's a little bit difficult because, okay, there's all these girls that are there, and then all of these boys are showing up, and the Marchese wants... Don Bosco to work for the girls to be the chaplain for the hospital that's being renovated. So he's, he's hired for that. She's paying him for that. And here he is spending a lot of times, a lot of time educating these boys. And so it becomes a little bit of a problem and, uh, and he's got to move. Um, he doesn't want to move. And, but at the end of the day, he has to move No, And this is May 18th, 1845. So he's there from December to May, um, really growing. And you start to see, uh, yeah, the beauty of of an oratory blossoming, uh, but running into some problems. And then from there, right, it's really bouncing around. What do we call this? This page? Question. Easy question. The wandering oratory. <laughs> the wandering oratory, you no? Know? So Don Bosco really searching for a place. Uh, it's really him. It's Father Borrell. It's a few other priests and really gets up at one point. Uh, they say there was 300, at least 300 boys. I'm trying to imagine that you know, four or five priests, maybe some other collaborators, but just a huge group of wild kids. Like think of kids just coming from prison, dirty, no homes, no education, no, yeah, just no families, all of them just surrounding these priests um, and other helpers. So it's real chaos and people are not happy, right? So he goes from place to place and the next place he goes is a church called Peter and Chains on May 25th. And he's there literally one day. <laughs> oh, he, he only survives one day because they kick him out. It doesn't work. They complain. Um, they're ruining things. It's complete another utter chaos. So the the tenant there or whoever was watching the place. Um, yeah, the, he's kicked out. So he doesn't, he doesn't last. Uh, so May 25th, <laughs> he's gone. And then June 1st to July uh, 6th, he's got no place to go. So, it's kind of this whole month of gathering where they can. They would have gone for hikes. They would have met in different fields. They would have perhaps sometimes not met. Uh, you know, it's just Don Bosco trying to do whatever he can do to figure it out. Um, but really, for that whole month, he's just wandering literally with no place to go um, and setting up wherever he can. And then, okay, the middle of July um, till December, he finally finds a place um, in one of the districts. So, if you know anything about that place of Turin, which I don't really, and I'm learning. (laughs) And Amy just gave a a nice, nice face, confused face, but there's like different, this is in the outskirts of the city, right? So Valdoco, but then there's also this place called like Moschino, which is the worst, really the worst place. Uh, It was right by the river, a lot of disease. This is where a lot of the sickness comes from. A lot of gangs, really, really terrible. So kind of, so we have Moschino, which is really terrible. And then we have this place called Banquilia, which is a little bit better, but basically the same. Then we have Borgadora, which is right next to the river. There's some factories that possibly are going to come there and a little bit better. And then we have Aldoco. Um, so we have these all of these little neighborhoods, not neighborhoods, all these little sections that are really abandoned. Um, and But we see all of that at the edge of edge of Turin, these kind of small little places. And so July 13th, uh, December 21st, he's in this place called Borgadora um he's there right gathering catechesis playing games um you know they have to go a lot of times off to find different places for liturgical services but really just trying to gather the young people um and then again okay he's kicked out and then they go to uh, another place where father john baptist Moretta they give him his place from january 4th to march um and then again same thing he's there Everything's okay, but not for very long. And then uh, Sunday, March 1st, they end up in the Philippi, uh, the Philippi field. Okay. And then from March 1st, to April 12th, right there in the Philippi field. And that's where uh, I think somebody took, the, I think Father Burrell took account. And that's where like 300 boys were there um, just in this field running around. Uh, again, a lot of chaos. And then finally, we hear the story of uh, somebody recognizing that Don Vasco needed help. And this is where we have the story of this guy, uh, Panardi, uh, coming over. He's saying, well, I have this place. You can build your laboratory. And they're like, "Ah, oh, it's not a laboratory. It's an oratory. And this kind of traditional story that we have, uh, which is beautiful. No, it kind of comes at the right time. Um, and they offer him this place. They end up buying this little shed called the Panardi Shed. And then on April 12th, 1846, we have... The first celebration of the Eucharist. This is Easter Sunday in the Penardi Shed, which will soon become, in a few months, will become Valdoco, as we know, uh, beginning to grow into the oratory that we have today, still today, uh, that you can go and visit. That's there, Valdoco. And so... Uh, there we have, yeah, April 12th, 1846 um, in the Pinardi Shed. So we have all of this basically a year and a half from 1844 till 1846 of just kind of chaos and really difficult. Um, yeah, so really difficult times, a lot of joy was really passionate that this is what he was supposed to do. He was supposed to dedicate his life to these young people doing everything he could, but there was defeat after defeat. There was illness. There was a lot of suspicion. There was a lot of uh, people going against him from the politicians. There was, uh, you know, the conflict with Marquesa Barolo. There was so many things going on. So there was a lot of joy. Damasco feeling like he's doing God's work and what, what God wants him to do, but at the same time, kind of defeat after defeat. Uh, but eventually he finds his place, April 12th, Easter Sunday. And when we were there, when we visited last time to Valdoco, uh, one of the priests there, Silesian priest, Father Mike, he was giving us the tour and really passionate about this symbolism of the Penardi shed beginning with Easter Sunday Mass um, and how us as Salesians really are meant to focus on the resurrection, are, are a hopeful spirituality that, uh, and he was over, over, like saying over and over again, like it's not about Don Bosco. Sometimes we talk too much about Don Bosco, which I'm doing like a eight part series on Bosco <laughs> recognizing that um, it's about Jesus. It's about the resurrected Christ that, okay, we went through all of these struggles. We go through all these struggles in our life, but it's really about hope. It's really about resurrection. This is what our congregation is meant to, to promote, to remind young people that it's not all bad. Death is not the end of the story. Stay away from sin, hope, joy, peace, um, everything about the resurrection. So just seeing that our, like the foundation the beginning of Valdoco, the beginning of the oratory, the way we know it now, um, began April 12th, 1846 on Easter Sunday. Uh, I don't know, if Vicky, if you want to speak anything on what you heard or if Amy, if you want to say anything about, yeah, just what you know of. This, the spirituality and resurrection and things like that.
2: Yeah. I think uh, being there, Father Steve reminded me that it's like the Eucharistic chapel now. So it's perpetual adoration.
0: Uh, um, yeah. The Panardi Shed yeah, is now where we have adoration. So beautiful mm-hmm. to see yeah. Yeah, the Eucharist there.
2: Um, And and that it's just always like there, like on display, like in the middle of everything. So it's, you walk in and it's the basilica and the big like courtyard. Um, and then there's the Pinardi shed tucked into everything, um, uh, right next to the museum. And it's so, it's so beautiful and simple and small. Um, you know, and that's where like every tour starts that you see just the beginning of what it was and, and what it became. But, you know, we went to Cole like that's the church that was, you know, built in honor of St. John Bosco, um, over his birthplace was like, there is this like giant, it's so, it's, it must be 70 feet. I don't know. It's so big, um, like carved piece of of wood. That's like Jesus, like the resurrected Jesus. And um, yeah, and just that his whole life, like points towards heaven. You know, it's not like you're going to die <laughs> because of your sin. Like, yeah, like you'll die because of your sin, but here's the way to like get to heaven instead, you know, and, um, and just so much of like everything that he was doing was okay about the friendship and about like you know, okay, like the, from the last episode, if only they had a friend on the outside. Um, but just all that, okay, we go together. And that like, it's all hopeful that they're even like, whatever your past, whatever these like young people's, these boys that they had in the past that they were that they had, and even the girls that he was serving. Um, you know, we're all like disenfranchised youth, um, people really on the outskirts and whatever, but that he was really preaching to them, like, life, you know and so amazing yeah that it happened on Easter Sunday and like that's where we point towards you know I think that's the attractive part about our spirituality is that we're we're trying to remain hopeful and joyful and and good um even when things are like difficult. So it's beautiful that that's the yeah. like foundation of like the final like resting place you know for a lack of better words is like Easter Sunday.
1: Yeah, I think Vicky shared a lot of what I was going to say is that I've heard the word like prophet and prophetic recently. I think the rector major had used that language, but that's really what the mission of the Slesians is, especially from like, at least my experience of the Slesians here is that they really are these prophets of hope to people who either like people don't want to go to or like people who. Would just spread despair if they went to them. Um, But to really see like the situation of every young person and be like, but there is hope in your situation. Mm -hmm. And like Vicky was saying, like, here's a way to get there. Like not just talking this imaginative language to them, but actually being like, here's a way and I'm going to walk with you in that way. And so hearing about that being the foundation, like it just makes so much sense for my own experience of seeing Salisians nowadays of being those, those prophets of hope and accompanying people in that
0: hope. Amen. I love that. Prophets of hope. Not easy to do sometimes. Sometimes we're cranky. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Um, but yeah, so this is really, so 1844 and 1846 um, in one of the literatures, it, it really, it really talks about how this is. Don Bosco's moment of, of vocational maturity of really uh, going through some difficult times, but really recognizing that this through through it all, no matter how difficult, this is what God was calling him to do. And it was really he was really put to the test. Cause when you think about it, he could have gone anywhere. Like he could have given up, he could have gone everywhere, he would have had a nice job, a lot of money, he could have been fine. Um, but he like he knew the will of God for him was to take care of these poor abandoned kids, and he was gonna go through through whatever he had to go through to do it and uh, and you start to hear like mama margaret's uh, words to him when he was a priest she said two things at least that we talk about i'm sure she said many things but two of the ones that come out a lot are uh, beginning to celebrate mass is the beginning to suffer so as a priest you're gonna go through a hard time you're gonna be identified with jesus christ and jesus christ had to go through the crucifixion and then okay experience the resurrection but to begin to to celebrate mass is to begin to suffer because you're gonna to have to identify with with the poor. You're gonna to have to identify with um yeah, the hurting of this world and and what Jesus had to go through. And so it's a very heavy phrase. Um, but Damasco really gets this this now. Like the the suffering of what he went through these two years um was really to set a foundation for the rest of his of course he's gonna have a lot more difficult times um after this, but really setting this and the second one was uh, in so many words, I forget the exact phrasing. But don't come to me if you're going to be a rich priest, right? Don't. Uh, she died poor. She was happy with poverty. She did not want a rich priest. She did not. Uh, she wouldn't. St- she said she wouldn't step inside his home. I think if he was became a rich priest. Um, so again, the Moscow recognizing that he wanted to work for the poor, but he also wanted to be poor. And um, and that's something that I'll talk about real quick now. Is this voluntary poverty? That's Mama Margaret, Don Bosco, but even Don Bosco's, one of his great collaborators is Don Burrell, who we talked about before. This guy was amazing, really, for me to learn about. I really didn't know anything about him and going down to Ecuador and speaking and, and learning about him. He was really known as one of Don Bosco's cooperators. He was there since he was in the convito and then to, to the refuge, but then he was there step-by-step step with him in, um in the founding of the oratory, right? He signed the lease for the Pernardi shed. He gave a lot of money along the way. When Damasco was sick, he was the run. He was the one that ran the oratory with some other, some other priests. He was eventually put in charge of another oratory. Once things started to get off the, off the ground, he was there through thick and thin. Um, so he was really one of Damasco's, uh, greatest collaborators, one of the first co- uh, cooperators, really, if you want to put it that way. You no, know, he was there, not a Salesian, didn't become a Salesian, but was always there helping Don Bosco. And to think about this idea of voluntary poverty, because he was in the royal chaplaincy, right? He was part of the royal, uh, yeah, he was taking care of the royal, the rich, the the governors, the the people, the kings, the, the royal courts. Um, he was given a good stipend, right? He could have lived a beautiful, comfortable life. And yet, when you read about his story, He voluntarily took his time. So he was getting a stipend. They say that he would have, he had to work sometimes. He got a good stipend, but then he had a lot of freedom to do what he wanted. Um, And he could have chosen anything. He could have earned more money in other places, but he chose to go to the prisons he worked at the Catalango place, which was the, the Catalango hospital was really for the most difficult cases of disease and deformity. And um, uh, the priest there was really gave his life for that mission. And so he was the chaplain there helping there. He helped the Marquesi Barola with the women who were abandoned or abused or whatever. And then he gave his whole whole life to the oratory. So in his free time, he spent his money giving it to these different places. And he spent his time completely giving, I just can't imagine, you know, surrounded by 300 boys, 300 crazy kids, and you didn't have to be there, mm-hmm. right? You chose to be in that position. You chose to give your life in that way. Um, and he had no, there was no need for him to be there. Like there was nothing else than he wanted to help. He wanted to be close to the poor. He wanted to see, and he really believed in uh, what Damasco was doing so much to the point that at his deathbed, when he died, he didn't have enough money for his funeral. Right. He, he didn't have enough money to cover his costs for his funeral. He really gave everything that he could. Um, and then they say the scene of of the oratory and Damascus accompanying the casket, just like a huge procession of of what this person meant to to the people of Turin. Uh, because he was he had his hand in everything. You no, know? he was he was a great preacher. He was really he had a heart for the poor, but he could he could work with the rich, like he was, he was just somebody who could do it all. And they say that next to in his room that had barely anything in it there was a uh, a picture of saint francis of sales and above it around it it said uh, made all things to all people right. And that's St. Paul, right. Be strong with the strong weak with the weak. be all things to all people so that that we can go for move towards and help people be saved. Um, and so we see Don Burrell as somebody who was really able to do that, uh, in his personality, he was his humility, his hard work to really be all things to all people. And, uh, what an inspiration that was for, for Don Bosco. You no, know, and he was there until I think he died in 1872 or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was there for, for a while you now to help out. And you see how much he offered in financially, but also in his time and his work, um, so yeah, just to see that collab- collaborator there, and then the other one is is this Marchese Barolo. If you read the oratory, if you read the memoirs, you'll get a kind of bad taste in your mouth about uh, the relationship. It kind of seemed like Don Bosco was putting her down, or that she was throwing him out of the refuge, or that he she was like she wanted him to work for the boys, but um, he didn't want to, and she didn't understand. And really, it was not the case. We spent so much time, just like in the other episode when we talked about Anthony, how Anthony always gets a bad rap. And then in Ecuador, we really kind of redeemed Anthony. Down there in Ecuador, we really redeemed the Marquesa Borolo. She was an amazing, amazing woman. She gave so much of her time, so much of her talent, um, so much of her money. She, I think she formed like 25 different religious orders, um, helping so many people of Turin. She was really a, a social saint of that time. And uh, in one of the letters that we have, uh, she wrote to Don Burrell and uh, yeah, just beautiful to read this from her, uh, because if we read it just from Don Bosco's point of view, right? It's as if she threw him out and she was kind of not happy with what the work. Um, so in the letter, she says, you have accused me of being against the religious instruction that these boys receive every Sunday and against the care that Don Bosco takes of them during the week. That's not true. I approve and praise the instruction being given to the boys but because of our type of inmates, right, because of the women who are there, I object to the boys' habit of gathering around the doorways of my institutions. I firmly believe that Don Bosco needs a complete rest. This is the more important to me as my respect for him has grown apace. Um, so just seeing how much she loved and cared for Don Bosco, she really wanted what was best for him. And she knew that he was, he was literally on the verge of death. No, he was almost about to die uh, because he was overworked, overstressed. He was doing way too much with way not enough to eat, not enough rest. Um, so he was really spitting up blood. He was really, really in, in tough shape. And so she saw that. She knew that he was not going to be able to finish uh, to like continue in that way. So she wanted him to go get rest. She was willing to pay his whole salary, give him all the rest he needed, and then come back back. Um, and so, and then throughout the years, you can see in the records that she was the one, she many times, she was the one giving financial aid. Um, so it would be under the name, they said that, you know, Don Cafaso would give a lot, but it would be like, let's say 200, 200 lire, 200, whatever. And it would be 200, 200, 200, 200. And then it would say Don Cafaso, like a thousand or 5,000. And they said, no way that it was going to be Don Cafaso, that it, that was definitely the Marchese Barolo. No, but she would put it, she would give it to Don Cafaso and then, um, whatever he would he would donate it to the oratory so if, until the till the end um she was supporting Don Bosco she was there for him so just kind of just to see that how many people were around Don Bosco um so beautiful in these moments uh, so we're gonna kind of leave it there I just have one more kind of uh, one last thing that they really focused down in Ecuador um before we kind of leave it there because Right. We see that then in November, um, November 3rd, 1846, that's when Don Bosco finally returns because he was sick for a while. He finally returns. He enters into Valdoco with Mama Margaret. And that's really the beginning of kind of the oratory that we know of Valdoco that we know and the beginnings from there. So that's the 3rd of November. So it, they get the Pernardi Shed April 12th. They're doing kind of renovations. They're in the summer. But really, that summer is when Damasco almost dies. Um, he has one instance where he's really in bed for like four days, and they really think he's going to die. And the boys pray and everything, and he's kind of re rejuvenated and he's given a second chance. Um, but then in August again of that year, it's almost almost the end. So he ends up going back to Becky, spending time with uh, with his mom, and it's there that he really really almost dies again. He's really at the edge. Um, he he says in his memoirs that you know, he was, he was ready to die. He was like, I was sad to leave my boys, but I was happy that at least I gave the foundation for the oratory. Um, so he was understanding that it was not, uh, again, he was sad, but um, yeah, but that he, he kind of accepted. And I think this was the moment, at least in Ecuador that they said that uh, this was kind of the abandonment to the will of God, like a complete detachment for so much of the time. It was kind of Don Bosco doing Don Bosco's work. So we, Obviously, he prayed, he believed it was God's work, but he was, he, he I don't know, from what they said and from what we know of Don Bosco, right, he had a bit of an ego, a bit of pride, like a bit of a stubborn kind of guy. And so down in Ecuador, the Ecuador they were really stressing that this summer of, of almost dying was kind of also death to his ego, death to this idea that he had he was in control and that he could manage things and that he had really had to del- to rely on divine providence and really had to rely on, on grace and, uh, and kind of abandoned himself to, to God's will. If it was God's will that he die, then that was it. Uh, but if it was God's will that he had a second chance or he could kind of come back from this, this uh, sickness that he would then, um, Yeah. Give his life again to, to the mission. And, and he says from there on he was, he was never sick. Of course he was sick again, but he, he worked until, until his death. No. And so just recognizing that, um, yeah, this, this moment of, of sickness and everything that he struggled with, um, was a moment for the resurrection again. No. So he had to go through all of this, these two years of really struggle to the point of dying almost, and then really spiritual death and then reawakening, entering into Valdoco on on the third of November uh, with his mom, and then moving from there and building the home school parish playground that we that we know today. Um, yeah, so really for me, beautiful to see how difficult it would have been uh, to read about the kind of kids that were <laughs> those three hundred kids when you read the description of where they would have come from or what they would have done or what they would have been like. Uh, I can't imagine. 300 of those kind of kids all around uh, running around through these fields in these small rooms or whatever. Um, So not, not only see that chaos, but then his sickness, the struggle with the politicians, the struggle with Marquesa Barolo, his own kind of mental health. um, All of these combined really sent him to the edge and then that reliance on God's grace. And then this resurrection, he enters into the, enters into Valdoco and then, uh, and then, yeah, we'll pick up the story. Uh, next episode with with that. Um, so yeah, beautiful two years, really difficult two years for Don Bosco, but really essential in his in his vocational kind of journey, uh, really a maturing process there. And, uh, and this kind of setting in stone that this is now what he's going to do for the rest of his life, he will dedicate every ounce of his breath to to his boys, um, to the poor and the abandoned kids, and whatever they needed, he was he was going to do. Um, and then you see all the miracles and all the things, uh, up until his death in 1888, you know, so the founding of the congregation and the expansion and the missionaries and, and now, okay, now we're here sitting in this room, um, because of what he was, what he was able to do. Um, not alone, of course, always stressing that he had a lot of good people around him. So that's kind of my, yeah, my spiel for, for this part of his life. Uh, I don't know if you have any questions or any comments that you want to make.
1: Um, you can correct me if I get some of the names wrong, but for me, um, it really just kind of re-emphasized again, that his work was not something that just completely came out of nothing. Like there was this work happening. Um, and I feel like as I'm listening to you talk about this, the more I'm realizing that I kind of always had this idea in my head, I guess that like. Don Bosco saw this need and responded to this need that like no one else had responded to. And not that everybody was able to touch everyone who needed to be responded to, but there was already people like Don Capasso and the Morquese who were starting to do this. And so even though maybe I've heard like pieces before, like I really kind of thought about this as being like completely revolutionary But really like what's so beautiful, what's so Salesian is that like he was accompanied into this kind of mission. So it wasn't that he created this mission necessarily. It was that Don Cafaso gave him Don Burrell and sent him like to the Marchese to be accompanied in this process, which is the Salesian approach is accompaniment. So like, it's so beautiful that even in like kind of the foundation of this mission was through accompaniment with other people. Um, And then when you were talking about Don Burrell, like it was just really overwhelming um, to like think about our core team. And Vicky like works with them so deeply and you work with them so deeply. So I don't always get to see everything, um, but just the way that Vicky talks about how they give, like how they're giving up so much else that they could be getting. They're giving up vacation time. They're giving up pay. Um, they're giving up time that they could be in school with their family, with their friends. They're giving all of this up in order to just, they they have fallen head over heels for the mission and they want to give back um, because they've been on the receiving end of that. And they want to give that to other young people and how that's still happening today. Like Don Burrell had that all those years ago, but there are still these people who are so in love with the mission and it can't continue without people like that. And just the gratitude that I have, like, For our core team and then for everyone else who's doing that, like cooperators who are doing that, everyone in the mission who's doing that, but especially I just think of how Vicky always just shares about the core team, like always selflessly giving and, and to hear like how, you know, that's in our roots, that's in our foundation. It's just, it's, it's part of what makes the mission go is, is people like that.
0: Yeah. And, and even your CYM meetings are going to talk about this famous thing that we talk about, the EPC, you know, the educative pastoral community, um, and how really that's the way it's supposed to run, right? There really is supposed to be a a group of a movement of people that's working together for a common mission. That it's not just the priests, It's not just the brothers, not just the sisters, but really, uh, uh, yeah. People who are invested in the salvation and education of young people, um, And then how do we kind of cultivate that? And so I think that's a beautiful, yeah, to bring up the core team. And, you know, again, Vicky works with them more, but um, definitely I've definitely seen their generosity and the beautiful work that they're able to do for the young, you know, that everybody relates in a different way. So people don't relate to me the same because I'm a priest. Sometimes it's difficult to talk. Sometimes they don't want to go to a priest right away. Um, And so to have multiple people with multiple different personalities and multiple different approaches and and all that kind of stuff just makes it a more of a home that people can find a place and somebody to talk to. So yeah, I don't know if you want to expand on that, Vicky. Yeah.
2: Just the, I think from what both of you guys are saying, the, like it's like the modeling of behavior, right? That, okay, we work with core team and like the young people that we work with then see like how we relate to each other and how we do speak to, okay, our FMAs and our STBs and um like the relationship that can be possible there. And then I think it opens them and I can see the same um in the way that like St. John Bosco, you know, how he brought other people in and asked them or whatever, or he was brought in to catechize young people and then like just continued, like continued that model. And I think like, that's the special part about St. John Bosco. I Amy, mean, just like you said, right, that it's not that he was the first, but it's like the way that he, OK, was accompanied, but then like allowed other people to accompany him because, OK, like fathers you said, could be really prideful and stubborn and have an ego like we all do. But like that is the special part about St. John Bosco is that he was like educated and well-read and but also like knew how to work and like had all of these like foundational moments in his life that then he could like bring together. And that's why he was the one that started like a congregation of people. That's why he's the founder. Um because he could pull it all together with like the things that, okay, like he was taught that there was something about the way that he was doing it from all the places that he had learned how to do it. Um, yeah. And I just think like that, yeah, that's the special part about working like with young people and like other young adults that are in the mission is like, you're seeing like this, like this, I don't know, this man that's like a magnet for people that just like want to serve like with joy. Um, and like really learn to give of themselves. That's been like a crazy topic of conversation when thinking about core team and talking with core team members about, okay, like who can we bring in and like younger core team and stuff like that. And just thinking like, it's hard because you have to find, or you have to see like these like little glimpses of people that are willing to give this like total self, um, you know, for maybe not their whole life or, but just like one week. Right. Or for months leading up to a retreat or who like want to keep giving like post retreat, who want to keep talking about it, who want to keep collaborating, who want to keep giving ideas, who just like randomly share things because like they're passionate about it. So it's just this like really beautiful gift that he like offered us like in this persistence, like that wandering for two years, like just persistent, persistent of like I need to. Yeah, like he needed to be there. He wanted to be there. um And so it's just a good reminder and like a good model for us to keep trying to like replicate in our own time, um, in like an appropriate way, but yeah, just to keep trying the same way. Um, so yeah. Good two years. Important.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And,
2: and all with Jesus, like, and I think that's the best part is like really he points us and I love to, I don't know. It's a good reminder for myself, like our friend that points us to Jesus, uh, like everything. So yeah. Also.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's I think that's what we really pray for now is this movement of people who are really willing to be generous and to just to recognize the mission that they have a place in the mission that it doesn't have to be okay you don't have to become a priest brother sister. Um there are the cooperators or the Solution lay missioners or just young people who are willing to give or older people who are just willing to give time and recognize it or sometimes maybe that they're only able to give money. Maybe they're not capable of doing something with young people at that moment in their life or whatever, but there's just so many ways and so many things that we can we can try to do to to further the mission uh, as a community. So okay, this is part of this reason why we have the podcast is to try to reach out and to, yeah to continue to try to connect the family that is scattered all over the country um and countries, world. Um so yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we keep going. Uh Miss Amy, anything else?
1: Nope, that was it. <laughs> <laughs> Unmute, mute. <laughs>
0: So next time, yeah, we're going to start in 1846 and we're basically, there's going to be two episodes left of this season um, and then we'll do something for Advent, but the next one is going to be just home life, Valdoco, everything for Valdoco. What's so funny?
2: She's pumped. I'm Sh- about
1: shocked that Advent is that close. Don't December, talk about it. I think December 1st that is Advent.
0: <laughs> but anyways, next, next episode, we'll do Valdoco, the beginnings, the oratory, and then we'll, Kind of move to the founding of our congregation, which we we give the date of eighteen fifty nine. Um, that's kind of when the Damascus called the first young people together, and uh, we have kind of the. Inklings of our society, even though it's not approved by the church yet, but we start to see people gathering uh, for more than just working, but really living together, sharing life, doing a mission as a community, as a congregation, as a society. So, so yeah, two more episodes of this uh, season of Don Vasco uh, Baldoco next week. And then the one after that is kind of the founding of the congregation. So stay tuned. Go back to the other episodes if you haven't heard them. And... Uh, And then, yeah, as we go through, any suggestions? Anybody listening out there? Any suggestions for Advent or for yeah things we should do on the podcast? How we can improve? um, Whatever, Amy, what's so funny?
1: (laughs) Just starting to sound really desperate. Like, how can we do better? Are we okay? (laughs) Please help us, Megan, (laughs) Jemma,
0: anybody out there? I'm sick of hearing my own voice now. Now I'm tired of this. Uh, You're almost done. You're doing you do a great job. More. But I'm learning a lot. It's good to put it down. And at least I can tell Ecuador, people in Ecuador that I... Yeah, learned something. I did something, you know? I did something yeah. with this knowledge. Check. Check. So everybody, thank you. We're going to pray. Whose turn is it? Victorias? Sounds good. Me? Yeah.
2: Okay. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord, we thank you for the gift of this time. Um, and for, for our Father, St. John Bosco, Uh, For all the people that helped him along the way. Um, We thank you for uh, just our foundation. Um, We ask that with your help, we'll continue to build, uh, to live the dream together. We thank you for those that are listening, for those that will listen. Thank you for uh, just the difficulty um, so we can better rely on you. We ask that you take care of our Solution family members that are suffering um, that you know their needs you know how to comfort them and we pray all of this in your name amen amen, amen. Mary Hope of Christians pray for us St. John Bosco pray for us St. Mary Mazzarello pray for us St. Francis de Sales pray for us live Jesus in our hearts forever. forever in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit amen amen,
0: amen. live the dream
1: okay
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right everybody bye everybody thanks bye. thanks Amy uh, see you at some point. Have fun over there yeah. in Zoomland. Thank,
1: Thank you so much. I'll just hang <laughs> out bye, here in Zoomland. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, that bye, everybody. Be. God bless. Right. Bye.
1: <laughs> bye, you. Uh, Pizza.